A show I have been dreading, but I'm equally excited about. It is Speak. Glad to have you here if you're here for the right reasons. I'm Emmanuel Acho. That is Dave Hellman. <laughs> Wipe that smile off your face, Dave. That's the one and only Joy Taylor. And this is Will Blackman in for, oh, Shady doesn't, yo, you don't know the handshake. I don't need to. So the hand, you, you get a pound, I'm a guest. That's a 12-year NFL vet, Super Bowl champion, Will Blackman. But I got to start things off right. Um, after Justin Herbert's performance yesterday, sorry is not enough. So I have self-imposed three punishments that I must adhere to. Now, number one, though sorry is not enough, apology is necessary. The first thing, I will issue an apology immediately. This is immediately. Justin Herbert was my bad. This one's on me. You dominated last night. You were throwing strikes. You were throwing darts. Shame on me for doubting you last night in the present tense. I am sorry, Justin Herbert. Chargers fans, your boy Acho taking this L like a man, standing in it. I'm sorry. Second thing I must do, self-imposed punishment. I will not engage in the Tua Herbert debate for the rest of the regular season. The debate is still out there, but I will not personally engage. I will refrain for the rest of the regular season. If they see themselves again in the playoffs, we can talk then. Number three, self-imposed punishment. I won't consider Sir Justin Herbert a social media quarterback until earliest week 18. I will not refer to Justin Herbert as a social media quarterback again until week 18 when you'll have the Denver Broncos in what could be a must-win game. Chargers fans... I'm sorry, you have my word. Y'all did show love in the stadium. I appreciate you. But now let's get to the show. <laughs> Very big of you. United him? <laughs> Play it again. United him? Uh, I mean, it's Sir, Sir Justin Herbert. Justin. He did ball yesterday. <laughs> he absolutely did ball. Joy Taylor, you also were at the game. You were at the game. You didn't text me. You didn't try to link up. It's fine. Oh, I'm you, over you it. don't have my number, so don't See, do I that. Try, I tried no. it. I tried mm -hmm. it. It didn't work. Mm -hmm. I tried it. Chargers fans and Joy Taylor both have <laughs> my name. I'm taking L's today. <laughs> no more L's today. Joy, contact me. What did Justin Herbert prove in the win you were watching closely? Yeah, I think Herbert proved that when he has his best weapons out there, he can win games, which is, I think, what most Chargers fans and, you know, people who are defending Justin Herbert all season long have been saying. He looked good. I, I think the reaction to that game is a, swinging a little bit on the pendulum here. That wasn't an outstanding performance all around. It, it was a lot to do with Tua and the Dolphins. It was a nice game by the Chargers. Not going to, you know, rain on the parade right now. But the Dolphins going to Dolphin. I, I tried to warn you about this, but you in it now. You're in it. You're with us now. No backing out. You, you're, you're, we're in the ocean together. This is what the Dolphins are going to Dolphin. I was with three, a uh, big group of us, but three like lifelong Dolphins fans. This is an experience we are quite accustomed to. That said, and I said this last week, so I'm saying consistent, I'm not going to change my opinion of Tua or Justin Herbert based off of one regular season game. They've matched up twice. How'd they go? One, one, last one. Mm -hmm. So that's how it goes. The argument about, you know, if Herbert is more talented than Tua, is Tua not still a franchise quarterback? All of that feels very reactionary. But Justin looked good last night. He won the game. He was the reason they won that game. And you got to give him credit. Will, you played a long time in the National Football League, 12 years to be exact, played defensive back, couple positions. Yes. What did Justin Herbert prove to you last night in the win over the Dolphins? Yeah, watching the game, what he proved to me is that when he doesn't have his weapons, he's Bruce Wayne. When he does have his weapons, 
He's Batman. Now, this is not a diss. Bruce Wayne is a successful billionaire, right? Mm -hmm. Gets things done. But when he has his Batman suit, he has the Batarang, the grappling gun, all those <laughs> things, he's lights out. Watch out. And that's exactly what it was. He was super efficient. When he had all his guys, he played just like the quarterback we know he is. Yeah, it was impressive the throws he was making, Dave. I mean, I vividly remember, and Joy, tell me if you do as well, the Dolphins were mounting a comeback. It was third and long. Keenan Allen is blanketed. Like, Keenan Allen was as covered as covered can be. I'm sitting there watching the thing, eating my popcorn. Justin Herbert, shoo. I was like, yes. what is this? Dave, what did Herbert prove in the win over the Dolphins? To go back to your point about, I know you can't say social media quarterback. I'll say it. The, the throw he had on the angle to Mike Williams, it's that type of throw. But that throw to Keenan Allen was the most impressive thing he did last night for my money. It was basically a handoff from 12 yards away. Just zipped it right in. I mean, the guy is so stupid talented. I don't, I don't like the word proved because I think, what just, I mean, okay, he's in year three. He, bro he broke Andrew Luck's record for most career yards over the first three years. Like, he has proven that he is a good quarterback. But what Justin Herbert did last night for me was he delivered in a moment. And sure, some of that is narrative. I get it. This isn't the playoffs. There's still more to do. But this is as close to a playoff game as you can get without making it, right? Like, you got to win to keep your season alive. There's the narrative about Tua versus Herbert. People are chirping all week. Our show had a decent amount to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes out there, and he doesn't just win. And I, I think it was a little bit more impressive. Like, I, I thought it was a very, very impressive performance. When you think about the fact the Chargers had the lead wire to wire in this game. Right. They led yeah. by double digits or two possessions for a lot of it. And Herbert still had to throw the ball 51 times. Like, this wasn't, let's get up and then run the clock out. Austin Eckler can do your thing. Like, they ran for, like, 75 yards, 80 yards. It was all Herbert. It was the, the deep shots. It was the precision passing. And his movement in the pocket was, like, coaching tape. That was teach tape of, like, how to avoid pressure. And keep in mind, yes, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are back. Charter's offensive line is still not anything to be impressed by. So, for him to navigate all of that, I thought it was a wonderful performance. I personally thought it was the best that I've ever seen him play. And like I said, you know, he, he lost at the end of the regular season last year. I think losing in moments like this is how you get that reputation. Ask Kirk Cousins about it. Yep. So it was huge for him to deliver on a stage. Like I will this. say it was the most efficient, like Will said, I've ever seen him play. I won't say it's the best because I've seen him have three touchdown games, four touchdown games. But the dude couldn't miss. Like, from the beginning of the game right. to the end of the game, he could not miss. What he proved to me was he's capable of winning a meaningful game. I knew Justin Herbert can throw for a lot of yards. Duh. Objectively, statistics say that. He just broke Andrew Luck's record. We knew Justin Herbert can throw for a lot of touchdowns. 35-plus as a rookie. Duh. I was never questioning his yards or his touchdowns. I was always questioning, can you make it add up? If y'all recall, the most telling part of the game was this to me. After he made what I formerly would have called a social media throw, the <laughs> all rolled out right, he slings it back to Mike Williams, Xavier Howard thinks it's a dead play. Next thing you know, 50-yard bomb. After he made that throw, what happened next? Out to Keenan Allen. This is a throw right here. This is a social media, what I would have called that social media throw. It was phenomenal. Goes viral. But then next, quick out, back shoulder pass, Aaron throw. Then this is a third down throw, I believe. Incomplete. Next thing you know, they only got three points. They only got three points, Will Blackman. They're only up by six. Joy, I'm sure you, like I, were thinking, oh, here we go. The <laughs> Dolphins about to make it happen. Because the possession before, Tyreek Hill catches a bomb, 60 yards. Then the Herbert makes that throw, only gets three points. But they found a way to win. That's why, to me, it was most 
impressive how efficient he was. Will, let me come to you on what Dave said. He said it was his best game. You've watched a lot of ball. You've watched a lot of Justin Herbert ball. You put it up there with his best game? Well, like Joey said, it helps that he had his weapons. Like, that's, I mean, that's obvious. That's why he played. But I think just overall in the grand scheme of things, um, this is how he should be playing in in my eyes. You know, because, right, talent-wise, he is outstanding, has all the gifts, all the tools. But, yes, when he has a fully loaded offense – he has his guys, mainly Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Austin Eckler, who caught majority of the passes uh, last night. This is how he should be. This is, kind of, this is, for me, nothing surprised me. I was pretty much expecting this. And so I, would, I wouldn't say it was his best game, um, but it was definitely you know, one of his most efficient games, I guess. What, if anything, Joy, surprised you? Because I'm sure you were prepared for the game, stayed t- end, beginning to end. What, if anything, that Herbert did surprised you? Clearly them winning surprised me. But what, if anything that he did surprise you during the duration? Nothing really surprised me. I was more surprised by how the Dolphins played than how the Chargers played. The Chargers, when they are healthy, this is why they've been so disappointing because they have so much talent, but they're never on the field. And now when you have everybody and your offense can take it it to the next level because you have a talent like Justin Herbert, that's what you should be able to do. But you just said it. If the Dolphins had played a competent game, how do we all really think that this game would have turned out? That's not taking anything away from Justin Herbert. You win the game how you win the game. Mm-hmm. It's not taking anything away from the Chargers. They won. They get to write the story. But the Dolphins were not good. Tua was not good. This was a terrible game by him. And they still were only up by six with four minutes to go. Now, of course, Mike McDaniel did a, did a made some choices, the timeouts <laughs> there, which we'll get into later, which I think played a big factor in this as well. But nothing Herbert did surprise me. I think the conversation about Herbert has kind of spiraled a little bit. Sure. So I'm going to try and take a step back and contextualize it, if I might. It's not that – well, I'll speak for myself. I think Justin Herbert is extremely talented. Can't argue that. You can't argue the statistics. He is beautiful. He is designed in a lab to be a quarterback. He's very smart. He's clearly a franchise guy. He's great with the, with the media. He's, he's got the right temperament. All of the things you would want in a franchise quarterback. I think the pushback, and maybe you can agree with this, because this is where it is for me, You can be extremely talented and put up numbers and and do all these things. But if you get catapulted into a category of Mahomes and Josh Allen and Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and you're at the top of the league, you should have the wins to match it. And you should be able to elevate teams when you don't have all your guys, if you're in a category with those names. So I think that the pushback, at least for me, is he's clearly talented. But can we see what he does in the postseason? If he's in this space with Mahomes and Josh Allen and, like, and guys that have won Super Bowls, Joe Burrow in his own class who takes the Cincinnati Bengals with the worst offensive line, not all his guys, to the Super Bowl, we need to see that. I need to see that. It's not about and – I, and I think he eventually will. I think Justin Herbert's going to have an amazing career. But to, to me, it is frustrating to reward statistics and, and somehow put that as higher than actual winning. And, I mean, I, I agree with that, and that's why I think this was as big as it was. And, I, like I said already, they still got to get to the playoffs. You would like to see him win games in the playoffs. That's the name of the game. But, like, think about who the Chargers are, though. Like, this is a team that plays in the late afternoon window. They're usually not top billing. Like, th- every week it's like, oh, the, the Chargers are playing the Raiders in front of, like, 15% of the country while the Chiefs are playing whoever in front of 85% of the country. That, and, and, by the way, 
their opposing fans outnumber their fans. If they're right, I mean, was it a Dolphins it crowd? A Dolphins That's who the Chargers are. Like they live in anonymity most of the time. Right. You only get so many of these chances. And for Herbert to step up in a moment like this with the Tua stuff and everything and play great and win, he's such a chill guy. And the way, like, he was, like, celebrating the first down. Like, he was, you can hey, tell. A little something this, extra for this, this mattered to him. And I just, I think that's why it's big. It doesn't, it's not a playoff game. I get that. But this is the closest I've seen to him delivering. Yes, and if, if the Chargers want to get to the playoffs, you got to win games like that. So kudos to the Chargers. If you want to get to the playoffs, because they are now currently back in the playoff picture, they are the seventh seed. Keep in mind, if the Patriots win tonight, I do believe the Chargers get bounced to the eighth seed. But it starts with wins like what occurred on Sunday night. Hats off to you, Justin Herbert. Hats off to you, Chargers and Chargers fans. Well, coming up, the Cowboys got a win. But theirs was ugly. Very ugly. Huge favorites, and they needed a last-second drive and score to win. We're going to tell you, are we impressed or disappointed was what occurred. That's next. Speak. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. America's team, 17-point favorites. That is unheard of in the National Football League against their game against the, against the Texans. Texans only have one win, but a crazy thing happened. The Texans were leading going into the fourth quarter. It took Dak Prescott a 98-yard drive all the way down the field in the closing seconds of the game to score the go-ahead touchdown. Now, Cowboys won four straight games. Dave, I was impressed by the Cowboys' victory. The reason I was impressed by the Cowboys' victory was it was a victory. So many teams in that situation would have crumbled. So many teams in the Cowboys' situation would have folded. Remember, Dak Prescott had struggled for 57, 58 minutes of that football game. But last two minutes, 98 yards, he needed a drive. He gave you a drive. Found a way to win that game. Keep in mind, the Houston Texans defense was hungry. They made plays during that game. Jonathan Owens, a huge breakup against Michael Gallup in the end zone. That Texans defense has a defensive-minded head coach. So you knew they were about that action defensively. And Dak Prescott, with the game on the line, did not care about the Texans' defense. He found a way to get it done. I criticized Dak Prescott during the game when he had that turnover, when he had a couple of those turnovers, but I had to give him and the Cowboys credit for finding a way to come back. Where do you stand? You've covered the Cowboys for 10 years. Bring me in on the inside. You ready for this? I'm going to make American sports talk TV show history right here. I'm going to try to have a nuanced conversation (laughs) with the Dallas Cowboys. This was a disappointing game. I, I yes. really, like at the at the end of the day, I don't know how you bill it as anything other than a disappointing performance when you are 17 point favorites and you got to claw your way out of the building, just fighting tooth and nail to stay alive against a team that has only managed to win one game. This that we're in the process right now where you kind of spin it and say like, well, you know, this is the NFL, and that's and that's true. It is true. But if you, to a man, you go through the Cowboys organization, the Cowboys locker room, and say before the game, Sunday morning, you're like, yeah, y'all are going to, y'all are barely getting out of here with a win. They would say that was disappointing. This is just common sense. Now, the nuance comes in where you look for the silver linings and you say, yes, that is incredibly impressive to start on your two-yard line after a bad day at the office. Dak Prescott goes seven of eight 
for 88 yards. His only incompletion is a, a, tu- a would-be touchdown to Michael Gallup that gets jarred loose. Like, he was in his bag. Mm-hmm. And, yes, it's even fair to say that the Cowboys can benefit from this. That was Dak's line after the game. Is like, this will serve us better than just blowing the doors off of somebody. It still would be nice to see you do that. And, and honestly, it was, <laughs> exactly. it was so it was so it could have happened so easily. They turn the ball over three times. They muff a punt. Yep. Dak throws a pick. His arm gets hit on one. That's fine. How about the defense? Houston was converting 13 percent of their third downs over the three games heading into this. They were at like 46 percent yesterday. An offense quarterbacked by a rotation of Davis Mills and Jeff Driscoll. Like, let's, you know. We can say it's fine and, like, it's not the end of the world. I don't think the Cowboys are frauds. But we can call it what it is is and say, yes, it's impressive that you scrapped back. You shouldn't have been in this position in the first place. I think that gets lost. Sure. The Cowboys are such a polarizing team. If you're not rooting for them – you're preying on their but downfall. But they, they right. were in that position, and, 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 and we can all attest to this at athletes of different levels. They were in that position. There comes a point in time, Will Blackman, where, and Joy, you know this as a former track athlete, where you are in a race, and I shouldn't have stumbled out the blocks. But I did. And now that I've stumbled out the blocks. i got to hawk them down. Am, am I going to win or am I not? Yeah. So it right. can't be a matter of like, man, I shouldn't have stumbled out. No, you did stumble out the blocks. Now the question is, can you go back and win? Joy Taylor, knowing that the Cowboys stumbled for the duration of the game, but they still won, impressed or disappointed? No, I'm impressed uh, because I think that people don't give the Texans enough credit, which sounds a bit silly because they have one win. But I've been saying this all year. While they are a bad team and they have only won one game this year, they don't show up on Sunday like, yeah, you got it. They play hard. True. They don't have enough. They don't have a quarterback. Okay. They've got an experienced coach. They have pride. And this is an NFL team. I know you don't like any given Sunday, but this isn't college. Everyone who's out there is an NFL player. So if I'm going to give the Eagles credit for what happened against the Colts, I've got to give the Cowboys credit because you're not just going to roll over every opponent every single week in this league. And so to face adversity for the entire day, to play terribly – and then still at the end, have a precision 98-yard drive to win the game is impressive because you have to put all of that behind you. You have to put everything that's gone on all day behind you. And put, put away the anxiety that you're about to lose to the Texans and give them their <laughs> second win. All of that has to be compartmentalized. So it wasn't, was it impressive as far as it was a domination from start to finish and Dak threw for 500 yards? No, but – I don't need you to win that way every single game. And I think to Dak's point, when you have a, a game that goes this badly for you, it's not like the Texans were beating them. The right. Cowboys were giving them opportunities. You know how bad the Texans would have to be to not take advantage of all the opportunities that they gave them? And like I said, they have pride. So to, have, to be in a situation, to know what that feels like, and then to overcome it, those are the things you want to see, especially if you are going to be in the postseason, because you might be in the situation against a good team, and are you going to be able to have the guts to overcome that? This is some strong points right there. Thank you. Both, no, both. Like, really, really good. No, seriously. <laughs> Thanks, because now, now, as I'm formulating my thoughts, I'm like, okay, because my answer is, I was highly disappointed. I'm like, you gotta go in, you gotta go in here and straight wax these Texans, like get them off the field and keep stacking these impressive wins, especially this time of the season. Like we know who is who for the most part, and the Cowboys, Cowboys are one of those teams. So Texans come in, boom, 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 get rid of them. Yep. But to your point, I am impressive the fact that Dak was able to show he can overcome adversity. That is that is very very true. I do like the fact that yes he struggled and then had that drive and it was him. It was all him. But overall, like for Dallas, 
Look, you got to start. No, we don't want decision wins. Just, I know, I get it. Yes, win, a win is a win. But in terms of truly what you're capable of, what you have shown, right? Sure, they have the win versus the Giants, and that was a close one. Yep. But yes, wax the Colts. And then the impressive win is when they wax the Vikings, who we're still not sure about what they can do. Um, but yeah, I really. The 17 point. I had him. I had another. I had another 50 burger to that game. I really, <laughs> I really thought it was going to happen. So overall, yes, it was a it was a win. A win is a win. I think for me, just personal preference based on where they are as a team. I really like to see them just keep just dominating teams and get ready for that Philly game. Do you leave that Cowboys game more confident or less confident than the Dallas Cowboys? Um, I'm neutral. I'm not less confident in them because prior they just shown what they can do. They can show, like, when we're hitting on all cylinders, when we're good in situations, like, we can be dominant. So I'm not less confident in them, but I just I just really wanted them to blow them out. <laughs> I did. It was, just, it was just me being selfish, yes. Dave, more confident, less confident after that game? Uh, I'm not less confident. I, I mean, I, how could you be either? Like, I mean, they still – they found a way to win that game. And for my money, that's about as good – it's a shame Shady's not here. That's about as good as Dak has looked – that drive is about as good as Dak has looked, honestly, since at some point last season, and for my money. Um, so I'm not, I'm not less confident. I'm also not more confident. And, and it's not just the Texans. I think that's what gives me pause right now is they played the, maybe the game of the year against the Vikings, just in terms of like a team really just beating, beating somebody down from beginning to end all phases. And it's been kind of herky-jerky ever since. Like, but here's my thing. Here's why I got to press you a little bit. They, uh, Will, you know this very well. I don't know if this is just a sports thing because I lived my life in the locker room. You're either getting better or you're getting worse. You're never staying the same. No doubt. So you can't watch a Cowboys game for 60 minutes. They've only played 13 of them this season and not, it, not change your opinion of confidence. You can't watch that game and just be like, oh, no, it didn't move me. Like, you watch the game. There are only 13 of them. So you watch roughly 7% of their season yesterday. It had to have moved you in some way, some shape, some form. What way did it? They did get better. I guess I would say better because and, – and Joy's right. We did this whole song and dance with the Eagles a few weeks ago. We did, absolutely. We talked about how impressive it was that they got it together and drove for the win against Jeff Saturday at the, at the buzzer and how you need adversity, you need things you can hearken back on when it comes to postseason time. So – if you're pressing me, I'll say I feel more confident about them. You know, but I will say this is this is a three-game stretch where we've seen these types of mistakes creep up consistently. It's concerning. That's all I'm saying. I mean, you would prefer that this happen against a better opponent. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you have the game-winning drive. You struggle and right. stay in a game against a really good team yep. and then beat them. But that's why I always default back to these are all NFL players. Right. Set it up for the game. Every guy on that field is an NFL player. It does There's serve them well. There's not that big of a margin between player to player when you really look at the, the bulk of rosters from a bad team to a good team. There's rotation on rosters every single year. And guys from that really bad team go to better teams and vice versa. So it's, it's not college where you're just like we are overmatched in every single way, facilities, roster, coaching, right. whatever. That's just not, that's not the same thing. So – you're going to be in situations like this. Don't let the way that the entire game has gone, and particularly for Dak Prescott, who played terribly, keep you from winning the game. And they did it. Yeah, it serves them well because 
at this time, at this at this stage in the game, it is all about situations. It's winning right. the situations. Right. So in this case, it's going to serve the well. Mike McCarthy's big on situational football, like trying to get reps in that, and you can't get good reps unless you get in the game. Correct. And the final situation, hey, Dak, you got to go 98 yards down the field to win the game. He did just that. Kudos to the Cowboys. Well, guess what? We're not ta done talking about that Sunday night game that took over a little bit of the sports nation. Justin Herbert, he did outshine Tua in prime time. So you got to hear our biggest takeaways. You don't want to miss what we really realized in that one. That's next. Speak. back to an NFL game that changed my life for the worse. Justin Herbert, he balled <laughs> last night. That's him finding Mike Williams in the back of the end zone. That is Tua getting sacked. I was there. Joy was there. It did not go well for Dolphins fans. Tua started the game three for 17. Meanwhile, Justin Herbert completed 38 to 39 passes for over 300 yards. It was wild. Tua, lowest completion percentage of his career. Let's come on, Cam. Let's come on, Cam. I don't need to see sad Tua. I'd rather see sad joy. Um, <laughs> as we're thinking, I'm sad myself. Well, I'm sad myself. Misery loves company. Um, my biggest takeaway from that game, Will Blackman, was this. Mike McDaniel, what happened, big dog? Like, Mike, you played right into the Chargers' hand. That was my biggest takeaway. Not only did the Dolphins get outplayed, more importantly, they got outcoached, in my mind. The Chargers went into that game, I believe the five games preceding that, giving up 183 rushing yards a game. And McDaniel, you wanted to get into a shootout? For what? For why? Make it make sense. First biggest takeaway. But really, my second biggest takeaway, the Dolphins are much better as the hunter than the hunted. And I think that's what I really realized last night. The Dolphins have been the hunter all season long. When they knocked off the Ravens week two, the Ravens were the playoff and some Super Bowl contending team. The Dolphins weren't even in the game in the fourth quarter. When they knocked off the Bills shortly thereafter, the Bills are Super Bowl favorites. Josh Allen, he is a MVP favorite. We weren't thinking about the Dolphins as winners. But now that the Dolphins are the hunt, Tid. Now that they the cream of the crop, now that they're getting everybody's best shot, how will you perform then? Against the Niners, the Dolphins, the Hunted, especially when Jimmy Garoppolo goes out. Against the Chargers, six and six Chargers, the Dolphins are the Hunted. It is much harder to be Hunted than the Hunter. Ask the Los Angeles Rams this year. So my biggest takeaway, the Dolphins do better as the hunter than the hunted. Will Blackman, you know a lot of ball. What was your biggest takeaway? Yeah, my biggest takeaway is you, you made a great point in terms of like, the game planning. At the end of the day, physicality always beats finesse, no matter what. And in this case, like you said, they try to get to a shootout with that man, Batman, yep. right, Justin Herbert. They try to do it instead of running the football, which a lot of teams have success doing. If you look at the past, what, nine or ten Super Bowl champions, it was the physicality that got it done at the end. You look at the Rams, right? You remember Aaron Donald came through at the yep. end, made the play. You look at the Buccaneers, that D-line went after Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs got two interceptions when they won in the fourth quarter shutout. The Patriots ended up going against and uh, defeating McVay and in the, in the, uh, going after the Rams. I mean, we can go all the way down the list, even down to the Patriots shutting out with the 28-3 situation. Physicality always beats finesse. And in this case, Mac McDaniels tried to get into a situation where he tried to play the finesse game, and they played right into the hands of what the Chargers were doing. The Chargers, they kept it super simple. Instead of, like, letting these guys run around and get free access, they just pressed. They, they got hands on these receivers that made it difficult because if you let these guys run around, it's going to be a track meet. 
And that's what they've done all season. They got physical with that, and they took away everything that they were trying to do. And so in this case, right, they played right into the hands. So, yes, he got outcoached by Brandon Staley in this situation. So remember that physicality always beats What finesse. do you mean when you say free access? What do you, what right. do you mean by that? So what happens is what, what the Chargers usually – I mean, excuse me, what the Dolphins usually do, they get into these condensed formations where the receivers are aligned inside the numbers, and there's a – I call it a closet or a bunch – and what happens is the defense usually backs up and is like, hey, we don't want to get into these crossing situations, so we're going to give you free access and let you run. In this case, the Chargers were bold. They said, I don't care if you condense. I don't care if you get into stacks, bunches. We're going to press you and make you get off these situations and try to get run open. They weren't letting them run free. So what happened was it disrupted the timing, and the safeties in the back end were able to play coverage over the top. So that really threw off the whole timing for the Dolphins to do anything in the pass game, which is shocking. They didn't just run the ball. Phenomenal note. Joy Taylor, you watched that game closely for several reasons. You were there. What was your biggest takeaway from the Chargers win? First two lines of my notes. Mike McDaniel's worst game. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't run the ball. I mean, that's what it is. Uh, Obviously, we've talked a lot about the Chargers' performance already. But to me, it was much more about the Dolphins. Run the ball. This This is the Chargers' defensive weakness. Run the ball. And Tua is a rhythm quarterback. It's not, a, it's not an indictment of who he is. That's what makes him so accurate. Keep pace. So if you disrupt that, it's going to make things difficult on the offense. How do you counteract that? With a balanced offense. You run the ball eight times in the first half. Clearly, he's, he's not himself. Tua looked very off from the very beginning of the game. So give him some relief in running the ball. And then after all of that, however the game went all throughout the, the entire game, at the end, you still have an opportunity. You're in the game. And you take two timeouts. What are you doing? You know you, you are behind. How are you taking timeouts right now? Trust your defense to get a stop. It was just very weird. The entire sequence of the game at the end was very frustrating. I didn't like the game plan. Then you're, you're, you're trying to come back. You're trying to drive. You have no timeouts because you use them all, and you're throwing it in the middle of the field. Why are you not throwing to the outside? You're better off throwing, just throwing it away than throwing the passes that Tua was was Right, their one touchdown, their one touchdown was on the outside. Right, you have no timeouts. It's like the one thing you can't do is throw it into the middle of the field. Are we not practicing a two-minute drill? Obviously they are. So where is the communication here? I just felt like I totally agree. I thought that the game plan was very strange. You didn't lean into what they don't do well, and you put two in situations where he's pressing and he's off rhythm. Now, he should have played better, obviously. You have to be able to adapt to the environment, which is what we saw last week with the Niners. It's just everything is disruptive. What are you going to do? You still have to make plays. And I think that carried over into this game. But, yeah, I think it was Mike McDaniel's worst game, and I think they they did not run the ball. I'll tell you what I told Acho. I said, but nobody was open. He said the same thing. Tua should play better. He should be able to throw guys. I said nobody was open. You watched the film? Nobody was open at all whatsoever. So, literally, they just took everything that they did away. And strange because, right, strange because he kept it simple. That's not, that's not what they do. That's not what McDaniel does. He tries to be sophisticated, but it was way too simple. 4.8 yards per carry is what the Dolphins were averaging on every rush. 4.8 yards per right. carry. I understand that early on they got stopped. They got deterred. Raheem Mostert didn't have a great game early. Jeff Wilson didn't make crazy plays early, but you got to stick to it. Dave Hellman, what was your biggest takeaway? That's an interesting note, and I, I don't disagree. Maybe this is a learning experience for Mike McDaniel, because the counterargument to that, which is where my mind goes, is if I'm Mike McDaniel, I'm like, wait, I got Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill. 
and this is what y'all are trotting out. Like, this isn't some world-beating secondary, right? Like, Derwin James didn't play in this game. J.C. Jackson's been gone for a minute. Like, if I'm Mike McDaniel, I'm like, no, we're going to hit these plays. This is what we do. This is who we are. And they did it the one time with Tyreek Hill. It was amazing to me with the cast on defense that the Chargers have. And, and again, maybe the Dolphins should have run the ball a little bit more. That's, That's totally fair. But the way that they were able to disrupt the timing of everything, jamming guys at the line, taking the easy throws away, not giving Tua any windows over the middle. Like every time Tua, that's, Tua just loves those little like shallow posts, like 12 yards, 15 yards down the middle of the Enders. field. Every time he even tried to throw one of those, even if it was complete, the Charger defender was all over it. So for them to play that way, despite being depleted on defense, I thought was so impressive, even if the Dolphins did play into their hands. And that's why my takeaway is, okay, this is, this is the best the Chargers have looked. This is the best I've felt about the Chargers since week one when they beat the Raiders and we thought the Raiders but were good. But is that a good thing? <laughs> Joy said something right. 30 minutes ago. If this is the best the Chargers have looked and the Chargers won by six points and this is the worst that Tua has looked, correct me if I am wrong, for sure the worst he's looked this season. This, se- this season. For no, sure. for sure the worst he's looked this season. If this is the best the Chargers have looked and the worst the Dolphins have looked and the Chargers still only won by six points, what will or Dave or Joy does that say about the state of the Chargers? I'm I'm saying, like, like Tua didn't look as bad as people thought he did. You know, he didn't didn't turn a ball over. He didn't um, do anything crazy. There was nothing there for him. But you got to explain that, Will, because you can't go three for seven. The viewer at home, because I am saying you you went three for 17. Right. How did he not look back? But it goes back to what everyone says. Go watch the tape, right? The, yep. ta- the tape will tell you all the answers. For example, going to Chargers defense, Michael Davis, the corner number 43. The numbers don't show, despite the touchdown he gave up, he played an outstanding game. He was the corner that was always oppressing somebody. He was there all day disrupting, making plays in position. Obviously, the one with Tyreek. But Tua, again, he was dropping back. They were, Mick McDaniels was not giving him anything, nothing. Like you mentioned, he's a rhythm quarterback. RPOs, West Coast offense, high percentage passes. There was no run game. But isn't that but, when you have to say, be special? For example. But no one's I, open. If I were to watch the tape on uh, what was uh, Justin Herbert's best throw, Dave Hellman? The nine-yard little out to Keenan Allen. Was Keenan Allen open? Not at all. If I were to watch the <laughs> tape, I would have said Keenan Allen was covered. Justin Herbert completed that pass to Keenan Allen. So I don't know, as a defender, if I can just sit there with the excuse that no one was open for 30-plus pass attempts. you got to make that make sense to the viewers at home and to me Well, the issue, too, well, here's the funny thing, right? So I have Mike Gusecki on my fantasy team. And I'm I'm like, (laughs) why? Always comes back to fantasy. It does, though. No, I literally just thought of it now because what happens is they always run. The Dolphins, they keep running this two-man game, Mm -hmm. right? Two receivers, and they're just going to run around your entire secondary. And I'm looking, I'm like, Mike, he ain't getting no receptions. What's up? What's going on? So it, it was very, very limited. And so they had three DBs on Waddle. They had three DBs on Tyreek Hill. Like, there was literally nothing. And so I'm watching the film, and literally, it's condensed formations. Condensed, okay, you know, let's motion somebody. We're going to motion and trick him, try to do a wheel route. That got broken up. Condensed formation. It looked like what McVay used to do a lot and got in trouble with when you played a page. It looked like something Shanahan does a lot, and they get in trouble. It's like just switched up a little bit. But Shanahan actually runs the football. That's why he's successful. Right. And the Dolphins did not do that. And that's and that's the one thing the Chargers, for sure, it's on film what they struggle with. So in terms of, like, is it an impressive win? Well, no, you didn't attack their weakness. You played right, right into their strengths. That's why I say Staley called a good game, which is why he outcoached McDaniels in this situation. Joy, you said the Dolphins are going to Dolphin. 
<laughs> um, is this the same? Do you have the same trepidation that this Dolphins team might haunt you like teams of Dolphins years past? Or are you just like, look, it was a bad game. Tua's had one bad game all season. It, uh, this would be the second one. It can happen. Bad game against the Niners last week. Or are you just kind of like, uh-oh, here we go again? Where, where do you stand I mean, as a Dolphins I'm not team? bailing on the Dolphins. I don't think that they are Never a will. bad team. Right. And I still think Tua is the franchise's future. And they did not make adjustments yesterday. It's like the, things go in the first half the way that they are. You see that you're not getting these opportunities. Make adjustments. What worries me is because they lost to the Niners so badly – now, they just lost to the Chargers in a game they really needed to win, which is, even, which is why this is the Chargers' best win, because this is a game that you needed to win yeah, to stay alive. Sure, right. And you did it. On prime against time. A, yeah, on prime, prime time right. against a, a good opponent. But now you've got two losses in a row as the Dolphins, and you're going to Buffalo. Bills on deck. Okay. Prime time. They Saturday. had heaters. Okay. It was cold in L.A. last night. I understand, relatively speaking, it was paradise. But for us, it was cold. It was windy. It was like 50 degrees, whatever. I had a coat on, gloves. You should have gave a number. That's what I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'm soft. I am soft, okay? Um, it's going to be very, very cold in Buffalo this weekend. Buffalo is a place where it is actually cold, and it is a tough place to play. Now, I understand the Buffalo Bills are also playing in that environment, but Tua, in four games he's played in sub-50-degree temperatures, is 0-4 with four touchdowns and six interceptions. Say what you said, though. They had heaters on the bench here in L.A. <laughs> he lost the game by an average of 21 points, lost those games by an average of 21 points, and has a passer rating of 66.5 in those four games. Now, that's just what it is until it's not. And I'm still going to pick the Dolphins this weekend. But Buffalo's mad. Buffalo, yep. <laughs> Buffalo wants revenge. They're playing really well. Quietly, quiet that it's kept... Buffalo's back at it again. They're still the one seed. Right? For what it's worth. They yes. are still the one seed. So what concerns me about the Dolphins now is you've got to shake off two bad losses and then go to Buffalo. That's the number one seed that you need this game desperately. And it's going to be freezing, freezing cold. And they are playing good football right now. So Put you've got to be completely focused going. The fire out yes. is what they say. Put the fire out. Like the Dolphins. It started a little fire in San Fran. In L.A. it came ablaze. Buffalo, prime time, Saturday night versus the number one team in the AFC. Dolphins, you got to put the fire out. Well, coming up, Brock Purdy. He's a rookie, drafted last in the NFL in this most previous draft. But the game that he played yesterday will truly blow your mind. It's something I don't know we've ever seen a rookie quarterback do. Something we've never seen a rookie quarterback do against Tom Brady. Next on Speed. What's up, family? Maybe the funniest interaction of the day. Dre Greenlaw, he picked off Tom Brady, the greatest of all time. But then he goes up to him after the game and asks him to sign the ball that he intercepted earlier in the game. He says, quote, during this interaction, man, you my favorite player. I've been watching you since I was two years old. Oh, oh. Um, wow. Joy, Dave, how y'all feel about that? I, I, he meant that as a compliment, but, like, that's the worst compliment I've ever heard. You, you know what? I disagree. <laughs> My initial reaction was, that's a, little, that's a little cringe. I disagree. It's a blessing to grow old. So, I don't take that as an insult. Perspective is everything. I just, you know, I wasn't big on, like, the jersey swap. I just hate asking for stuff. And so, I, I, I manned up one time. I was working with uh, Deion Sanders. Yep. And at home, I had, all, like, all his cards, every team. And I was like, I should really get these signed. 
And I brought him there, and I felt so awkward asking Dion to sign these cards. And he, he actually took the time. He signed them all for me. But still, I, I have a hard time asking like, other players for stuff. Did you play? Who's your quarterback in college at BC? Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. Um, was he older than you? No. Okay. When you picked him off, though, was it ever like, uh, or Matt Ryan, or you played with Aaron Rodgers, or you played with Eli Manning? Right. Were any of those first interceptions like, you know what, I just picked off A-Rod. I just picked off Matt Ryan. I picked up A-Rod, and he came at me. like, yo, don't do that again. (laughs) (laughs) Straight up, he said, don't do that again. I think you got to do this. This is Tom Brady. You know, you yeah, do. No, you do. Like, he's legitimately a, a, I'm not, a fan. Yeah, I don't Tom blame gets it. He's at all. like, this, Tom is larger than life. Especially, for, especially, especially for younger yeah. players. Like, I think for older players, it's maybe a little bit weirder. But for young guys, like, he's legit. Well, like, in this day and age, it's more it's, baby. it's more celebrated in this day and age. Yeah. Like, like early in my career, it was kind of like, all right, like Larry Fitzgerald was the worst. Yep. Like, after the game, Larry Fitzgerald runs to the locker room. It's like, hey, Larry. <laughs> I, look, <laughs> when I finally when I finally played with Vic, I remember I had some Vicks from when I was in seventh oh, yeah. grade. I had the old school black, red, and white joints. I had the, the old school Vicks with the strap. Yes. I'm playing with Vic in 2013 on the Eagles, and I was like, should I go back to my closet? My parents. That's what I'm saying, right? Like, get I'm the thinking Vicks, about it. Take them back to the locker room. I never did. I never did. But it's, it's an awkward position to be in. I feel like as I an just, athlete. It is. To be clear, Tom Brady can do whatever the hell he wants. I just wonder, like, would Tom Brady even, like, three or four years ago have done this, you know? Maybe three years ago. I think after the comeback against Atlanta in the Super Bowl. He just felt so good. Brady just realized, like, I'm the greatest that I've ever touched the field. So, (laughs) you know, I'm going to have to accommodate everyone else. I, I, I don't know. I'm actually really okay with this. No, it's after it's the cool. game. It's cool. You know, do it before the game. It's a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's the greatest ever touch the field, but it wasn't that great last night because the 49ers put it on him. Brock Purdy, that man you're looking at right there, one, three. He had his first career start in the National Football League, drafted last in the draft at Iowa State, but three touchdowns and did the dang thing. Niners blew out, and I mean blew out. They beat the Bucks so bad. So bad, they took the game off television in the third quarter early. Like, that's how bad a beatdown this was. Dave, Brock Purdy, made his first career start, dominated the Bucks. Are you fully confident in the Niners and Brock Purdy? Absolutely. I just I needed to see one game where he was game-planned for. He did his own game-planning and, and, and see how he would handle it. And really, I just wanted him to not muck it up. And he did way more than that. I mean, like, you know, the, the, the yardage numbers aren't gaudy. But if you watched, he was in total command of that offense. Like, he's so confident. I talked about Justin Herbert's mobility in the pocket. The way that he was creating throwing windows, getting away from pressure, doing it all very confidently, it really, it really, really impressed me. And I know, you know, the Bucks are depleted on defense, but Todd Bowles has still been calling NFL defenses for a long time, and they got talent over there. To hang up 35 on those guys in your first true NFL start, yeah. And, and th- I think, no offense to your guy, Jimmy, I told you this yesterday, but, like, there's more of a downfield element of this offense. He took two shots down the field, 27 and 34 yards. Brandon Ayuk only caught two passes, but he had 57 yards. You say what you want about how good the Niners are. They're not an overly vertical team. So if, if, uh, if Purdy can confidently lead this offense in addition to making them a little bit more vertically scary, that's really impressive. Joy, where do you stand? How confident? Are you fully confident? Because I know before the game you had your doubts. You're fully confident in the Niners with Brock Purdy. <laughs> I said, let me see what Brock Purdy does in a game, like Dave said, that he prepares for fully and a defense prepares for him. 
I reserve the right to want to see something before I have an opinion about it. Yeah, and Nacho. that's what I did. And they're right. <laughs> I mean, congrats to Brock Purdy. That was bleeping impressive. I don't know if we're actually giving Brock Purdy as much credit as we need to. We were tripping over ourselves to praise Baker Mayfield for what happened on, on Thursday night, which was impressive. But this is a rookie quarterback, the last pick in the draft. He was drafted, though. He was drafted. <laughs> he was drafted. But, he, like, are we contextualizing this enough properly? That was an ass-kicking, and they prepared for him. He was so impressive. He was so decisive. He was moving around in the pocket, making plays. Fully confident. I mean, yes, everything around him is great, but you could still very easily mess that up. For sure. And we've seen backup quarterbacks come in in moments like last week and win games and be able to pull things off mm -hmm. and not make mistakes. But to come out and not just game manage, but to be as impressive as he was, I was not familiar with your game. My apologies. <laughs> Brock Purdy was very, very, very impressive, and he deserves all of the credit, really, for what happened yesterday. Because even though he has talent all around him, he is a baby in this league. He is a rookie seventh-round pick. That's crazy. Like, give him his flowers. That is an insane thing to be able to do. So, no, you no longer question how far the Niners can go. Like, no, you're good. You've no, seen enough. I've seen enough. Well, let me ask you this. Let's talk a little nuances of the game of football. How much tape did you have to watch on a player? How many weeks of tape did you have to walk on, watch on them play before you felt like you knew their tendencies? Probably two. Two weeks. Yeah, probably two. The Bucks only had one week on Purdy. Where I mean, what I mean to say that is, Brock Purdy balled yesterday. He it wasn't even a balled. full game, too, that they had to prepare for. Correct. Right. Are you fully confident in the Niners with Brock Purdy, knowing though the Bucks did prepare, you know as well as I do of people that had to prepare, did the Bucks really get a good enough look? Is Brock Purdy that good? Is he somewhere in between? Is he not that good? How confident are you in Purdy and the Niners? Yeah, I'm very confident in Purdy and the Niners simply because of Kyle Shanahan. Overall, just as a coach, he has the whole entire team fully prepared. Like everyone bought in, in terms of what they need to do. The defense, they obviously been lights out all year. But also, he was able to prepare Purdy to be in that situation. And that's for me, when I look over at other young quarterbacks that aren't doing well, I'm like, are, are these coaches preparing these guys for the right situation? Are they putting them in the right situation, not just on the field, but off the field handling stuff? And I think right now what Kyle Shanahan does very, very well with the system, with the team, organizational-wise, they came into this game very, very, very prepared. And... Everything that Purdy did, he bought it, and he got it done. Sure, but how much harder will it get for Purdy? You know as well as I. Let's contextualize yeah, this. Will, yeah. Brock Purdy, he might be a guy who, when he scrambles, he's going to step up into the pocket. Russell Wilson, if you ever blitz him, he was always going to spin, spin back right. to his right. There comes a point in time where linebackers, defensive backs, they know your tendencies. Is it going to get harder for Purdy, or will it actually get easier because he's going to have more experience? Well, one, it doesn't, it doesn't get more difficult, I think, than being – uh, Mr. Irrelevant in your first start versus, you know, a, probably a playoff team in the Bucs and, yep. and Tom Brady. But, again, like I mentioned, though, he does have Kyle Shanahan who will have him ready for those situations. And so, yeah, you have to see it live in action, but it's going to be discussed. That's the beauty of having film on this offense for the entire year and him actually sitting there watching, taking mental reps. Because, again, he doesn't go in there without taking mental reps, not knowing what to do. They got a short week, but Joy, I want to come to you for this. The greatest of all time, Jerry Rice. 
chimed in during the game. Remember, Jerry Rice, 49ers legend, he chimed in after Debo Samuel got hurt, carted off the football field on what I believe was some sort of more so designed run. Correct me if I'm wrong, Colvin. I know you're a big 49ers fan. Debo Samuel gets hurt during the game, and Jerry Rice takes to, to social media and says, look, please stop running our skill players up the middle. Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Debo Samuel, all hurt. Joy, do you have an issue with how Kyle Shanahan utilizes his skill players? Clearly, we saw Trey Lance week two, now Debo Samuel now. You know, this is a very interesting conversation because the Niners, I believe, I don't have the number in front of me, but they are like at the top of the league with injuries. Like they always have guys missing time. So it's not that outlandish of a statement by Jerry Rice. It's, it's, there's actual statistics to back up what he's saying. And this is why Debo went out of there. Because he's like, you are putting me and my, and my physical ability in jeopardy in the way that you're playing me. Now, obviously, they came to some sort of compromise here. But, like, this was the issue that Debo had is how he was being used. So I do think Jerry's right. Now, at what cost? Because clearly... They are a playoff team, and <laughs> they, are, they are trying for a Super Bowl this year, and this is a physical team. They play physical. So I don't know what the, what the real compromise could ever really be if you're going to take advantage of what Kyle Shanahan does, but they have a ton of injuries, and he's not wrong. If Debo was still a first-contract player, drafted 34th overall, looking for his payday, this would bother me a lot more. And that's why I was happy when Debo made some noise about not liking the way he was being used. Like, hey, y'all are going to run me into the ground, get my ligaments shredded up, and I'm not ever going to make any money. But he signed the contract. And what is it about Debo Samuel that makes him special? He's a great receiver in his own right. I feel like that gets lost. You know, he had 11, 1,200 yards last year. But what makes him special is that he's a damn linebacker out there. And Kyle Shanahan knows how <laughs> to use him. That's the problem. Is that you, it is you, you look at my size. Like, I ain't trying to be hit like that, like, all day long. But isn't that what – that is what separates him from another great receiver. It's like, yes, he can do all of that stuff, but he can also give you five, six, seven, eight hundred yards as a rusher. He's a hard guy to take down. Think about the play he made against the Cardinals on the end around. Yep. He did it against um, the – Cowboys the, is what won the game in the I mean, playoffs. He does it all right. the time. End That's around. the thing. Yeah. I mean – Outside. <laughs> uh, but even, even the Cowboys playoff game, I believe, was a toss. But nonetheless, Will, Debo Samuel is a Pro Bowl wide receiver and an all-pro football. For sure. So if you're utilizing him as a football player, you're getting the most out of him. You have an issue with how Kyle Shanahan uses him. I want to say I have a major issue. I understand what, what uh, Jerry is saying in terms of like how we're utilizing our skill players. I mean, shoot, when I got recruited to high school, I was a scat back. I got recruited by the, by the Big Ten. I'm like, guys, like, I don't run in between the tackles. Like, I don't do that. You're like, why are you recruiting me to do this stuff? Like, Wisconsin, like, chill out. But I understand in terms of, like, the quarterbacks more so than Debo. Like, yes, quarterback runs, design runs, having them go up the middle. Like, like they don't got Jalen Hurts on their team. They don't have Cam. They don't have those guys. So I understand that part. But, yeah, like you said, Debo, like, that is, that is what makes him special. I'll give you that. Whether he likes it or not, like, that's what makes him special and a difference maker and a mismatch problem. So, I mean, I hear what Jerry's saying, but, you know, Debo's been getting it done regardless. Yeah, you live by it, you die by it. Debo Samuel, let's say high ankle sprain. Hopefully that will be of the lesser of that four- to six-week window that usually accompanies high ankle sprains. Coming up, the Eagles, they just keep on winning another dominant, and I mean dominant performance. What Jalen Hurts did against the Giants, not enough words can discuss it, but we're going to put some words to it next on Speed. 
Well, look, the Eagles dominated, officially clinching a playoff spot yesterday with the win over the Giants. Jalen Hurts continued to shine. Three total touchdowns. Miles Sanders, 144 yards of his own, got into the end zone, did the shady bounce. Shout out LaShawn McCoy. And once again, Eagles put it on another team, saying, quote, after the game, we're executing at a high level. Close quote. Well, when I think about the Eagles, what I, what I notice most about that organization, what I notice most about that team, their highs might not be as high as any team in football, but their lows are higher. What in the world do I mean? The Eagles yeah, what are do you mean? by far the most consistent, first and foremost, and even on the Eagles' bad days, they're still low-key good days. Like, when I think about other football teams, I see other football teams scratch highs as high as the Eagles. The Chiefs, the Bills, the Dolphins, the Cowboys, their highs are as high as the Eagles. But the Eagles have no lows. And when I watched the Eagles play the Giants yesterday, I was reminded of that. Like, wait a second. Y'all took the Giants off national TV early in the fourth quarter? A Giants team that appears to be good? That's what I learned in that game. But what did you make of the Eagles win over the Giants? I thought, first of all, watching Jalen Hurts, he, he might be one of the most zen quarterbacks I have seen in a long time. Like, he looked stress-free. He is not worried he reminds me of, of Cam in 2015. Mm-hmm. Like, Cam just had fun the entire season. Whole season. Ironically, they, they only lost, lost one, one game that game. year and just totally in control in Zen. This was an, a, a really impressive win for me. because This is, this is what I want to see for, for top teams at this point in the season. Like, I'm a big boxing fan. Like, sure, you, want, you like decisions here and there, but we want to see knockouts. We want to see people getting dropped and, like, you making your statement. And right here, this was another statement game in a division. Like, this for me is, is easily one of the most impressive wins for the Eagles. Well, you know, just it was the next thing the Eagles needed to prove. They hadn't played the Giants yet. So, you know, just a nice, nice addition to their resume. It's the most impressive win this weekend. Followed very closely by the Niners over the Bucks, but... Once again, the Eagles knock somebody out. The next thing that they had to tackle, well, they haven't played the Giants yet. We're not sure if they're a good team because they haven't played the Giants yet. Well, they beat that ass, ran all over the Giants. Giants that were not ready for them at all. Very quietly just pass on into the night and just another, another win. The Eagles are the best team in the league, and it is not close. No one has been as consistent throughout the entire season has beat teams in different ways, has answered every question that we've asked. Jalen Hurts is the MVP right now, and, th- and that's what it is. Like, argue with your mama. I am right, period. Right now, at this point in the season, every single week, they continue to do something different to add to the resume about why they're legit. I know it's boring. They keep winning. I know we don't want to believe that Jalen Hurts is this guy, <laughs> but he is, and they're doing it any way they want to. That's a good Giants team. Something happened in that game. Where, like, there's a lot of lonely feelings in the NFL, right? There's a lot, a lot of lonely feelings, but there is, there is nothing worse in the NFL game than when you're playing and they put their backups in Oof. during a regular season game. Oof. Okay, they're, they're, I'm telling you, like, you're out there playing. You're like, man, I'm going against the second and third string. Like, we're getting smacked. Like, coach, take me out the game. That's what happened yesterday. They put in the backups. I would say it like this. The Eagles are that one friend that always tells you the truth about who you really are. <laughs> Week two, the Vikings, promising season. Play the Eagles, and they told the truth about who the Vikings really were. Cooper Rush, undefeated on the season, 4-0. Should Cooper take over for Dak? And the Eagles were that one friend that's like, hey, Cooper, sit down somewhere. You're not all that good. Remember the Steelers? Surprised the Buccaneers and beat the Bucs a week prior. Then they saw the 
Eagles and A.J. Brown had three touchdowns and the Eagles like, hey, Steelers, calm down real quick. How about just Saturday? Has that great win over the Raiders and then he sees the Eagles and the Eagles, even though they turned the ball over early in the fourth quarter, were still like, hey, Jeff, Saturday, there goes that undefeated run. How about the Titans? Titans beat the Packers, national television, and then the Eagles see the Titans last week and beat them 35 to 10. How about the Giants? We all thought the Giants were a legitimate playoff team and not saying they won't make the playoffs, but then they see the Eagles and the Eagles are like, hey, Giants, go ahead and calm down with all that. The Eagles are that friend that holds the mirror up to you and does not excuse the blemishes. They let you know exactly who you are. Dave Hellman, what'd you make of the win? They're the most complete team in the NFL. Complete. And that, that is a key designation. Like, you can find some other units or some other teams that maybe do one thing better. I think Jalen Hurts, I would vote for Jalen Hurts to win MVP, but I think we would agree that Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback today, right? Sure. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, that's a different conversation. No, 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 well, just, just go with me on yes. this, though. Yeah. But, so Patrick Mahomes might be better. Don't lose me, Joy. The Chiefs offense might have higher moments, like you said. The Chiefs defense isn't all that great. The Bills and the Cowboys struggle with takeaways. The Dolphins, we've seen what can happen when you take away their fastball. That's, the Eagles are a pitcher that has about seven pitches. They're like, oh, you want to muck it up and play in the rain? We'll run for 300 yards. We can air it out and throw for 380 on top of your head like they did to the Titans. There isn't a style of football they can't play. And by the way, for as much as we talk about the Cowboys' pass rush, the Eagles passed them for most sacks in the league yesterday. They had, they had seven and seven against Dallas the Giants. Dallas had no sacks yesterday. Dallas had no sacks for the first time all season. And so, look, I'm not delusional. Like, I have no problem complimenting the Philadelphia Eagles, regardless of what our friend Shady says. Which, by the way, you see Miles Sanders, first 1,000-yard rusher since LaShawn McCoy. That's pretty yeah. cool. They, they, are, they are so complete. Like, the, the cliche in the NFL is styles make fights. They can fight any style you want to fight. And I just – I don't think there is a team – that can do as many different things well as the Eagles. Here's really, they, all season sorry, long, sorry, all season long, the only way that we've seen the Eagles lose is if they beat themselves. Yeah. Like, how, how do you beat the Eagles? You don't. You have to hope that they make every mistake you can possibly make in a game, and then they'll lose. That's how it happens. So good luck with that. Right, and to follow your point, I was going to say the, the one thing that the Eagles do better than anyone right now in the NFL is they self-scout. They self-study. They look at, okay, where's, where's the chink of the armor? Okay, we'll fix it. Oh, they ran the ball on us? All right, let's go sign two veterans real quick. You know, even if they aren't effective on the field, I'm sure that meet room is legit. I'm sure they're giving these young guys everything to do in terms of how to stop the run. So, every, like you said, most complete because they make sure every part of their field team, special teams, meeting, building, owner, like it's blade of grass. That thing is mowed nice. Like everything is shored up on that team. And more than that, too, everybody loves to talk about how you want to be rounding into form in December. They kind of, you know, they had a bumpy stretch. They lost, yeah. scored 17 points against the Colts. Now look at them. I mean, they're just dumping 50 on everybody they play. They look good. They look good. Dak Prescott, however, eh, not all the time. Not so much. Cowboys still won, though. Coming up next, we got to answer the question of, are we concerned about Dak Prescott's struggles? At least his interception struggles. He's almost throwing the game away. See what I did there, Dave? I do. <laughs> <laughs> Cowboys made a huge wide receiver signing. Go okay, no, it wasn't Odell. It was T.Y. Hilton, four-time Pro Bowl wide receiver, most notable for the Indianapolis Colts, where he used to get busy. Let's come on, Cam, and talk about that one real quick. Dave Hellman, what does this mean for Odell Beckham? We know Odell Beckham was huge, hugely in the news for the Cowboys. I mean, I, I think it means the door is probably closed on Odell at the very least for the time being. But you connect the dots here, it makes a little bit of sense. Like the word coming out of Dallas was 
they wanted him to be ready to play in the regular season. It didn't sound like that was realistic. Odell said himself on the shop that he was like, I don't see the point. And so I think the Cowboys are pivoting and saying, okay, well, we would like receiver help right now. As far as I'm aware, T.Y. is healthy. So Does he help Will Blackman? You've covered him, I'm sure, several times during the course of your career. Yeah, in the AFC South, we had, we had a couple battles there. T.Y. is this big, but he is fast. <laughs> um, I think he's going to help. You know, always helps to bring in a veteran receiver who had some great success. I think he's definitely going to immediately uh, be an impact. Just they need that one person who can at least threaten someone over the top. You know, like the Ravens signed Deshaun Jackson, like, oh, Deshaun Jackson is 30, whatever, 35. 36, 37. But that one time, it's all it takes. <laughs> that one time, yep. just to like scare you a little bit. So I like it. They definitely could use the help, and most importantly, that Prescott could, because if you were not watching yesterday, he struggled through roughly 58 minutes of play, not one, but two interceptions. However, with the game on the line, 98 yards he went, seven of eight completions all the way down the field, found a way to get the job done. A win cures all, but it doesn't cure the interceptions. Joy, how concerned are you with that Prescott struggles? concerned because obviously the game was rough yesterday and they were able to get it together at the end which I thought was impressive but it is the Texans I like the Texans more than everybody else like <laughs> I like the scrappy one win Texans but that's not going to work against a, a team that's going to match you points points for points and have a great defense and keep you from that game winning drive it's situational like Will said earlier that is what the the Cowboys issue is it's a big critique of Mike McCarthy and when you get into the postseason and you get into these must-win games, are you going to make those mistakes that you cannot overcome? I don't know what it is with Dak, but that is something that he really needs to focus on over the, the rest of the regular season because you don't want to be in a situation like this in the postseason, which they're hoping to be. I take a little bit of issue with the word struggling, as <laughs> you might imagine. As you might imagine, since Dak came back, the Cowboys are averaging 36 points per game. They're the second most efficient offense in the league over the stretch of time that he's been back from his thumb injury. They turned the ball over three times yesterday and got stuffed on the goal line, and they still scored 27 points. Like, they're playing pretty well. Now, having said that, this is a troubling trend, and it goes back basically to when Dak came back. You can count on the Cowboys' offense to give you one pretty much every game. There's a two-interception game at Lambeau. Happened yesterday, and that's... In Cowboys world right now, everybody's trying to point a finger. It's like, well, yeah, his receivers are batting the ball up in the air like a volleyball player, and you got to catch that. That's why I think T.Y. Hilton is here, to be honest with you. Will just alluded to it. They don't really have a reliable way to make plays out on the boundary, which is a safer way to do it, right? Typically, those shots are either incomplete or, or caught. Like, it's a lot less risky. This Cowboys team throws deep between the hashes at will. They do it all the time. And the bottom line is their personnel hasn't been good enough to get it done. Some of it has been Dak. The timing has been off. Several of them have been bobbled balls by receivers. And so I just, I don't think they're good enough to live the way they want to live. It looked really good on the last drive yesterday. He completed a few to Schultz over the middle of the field. It's not the way you want to live. And that's why I think a guy like T.Y. Hilton is here to hopefully give Dak some safer throws. I don't think he's struggling it would be nice to have him be able to make safer throws because he's trying a lot of dangerous ones, and it's just not working out. I think Dak is the quarterback. Will, correct me if I'm wrong. There are certain quarterbacks who are better in hurry-up because the defense is in hurry-up. So because the defense is in hurry-up, the defense is playing basic coverages. You're going to sit in cover three. You're going to sit in cover four. You're yeah, going to sit in cover seven two. it's seven on seven, basically. It's seven on seven. Right. Dak 
what didn't all of a sudden become great yesterday in the last two minutes of the game. No, the Texans were in hurry up. So they couldn't pre-call their calls, couldn't come out in complex coverages, and Dak Prescott was the savvy veteran. I'm concerned because I don't think Dak Prescott is going to cost the Cowboys a playoff game, a playoff win. I don't think that. But I do think he might limit them from excelling. You can't throw picks in every game in the playoffs no. and think it's going to be A-OK. Well, Blackman, where do you stand on Dak's struggles? You concerned? I am not concerned, not at all. I mean, really, Joy and I are going to go back and forth in terms of like, right, it is the situational thing. That's it. So, but you guys did change my mind earlier when you said, hey, he did struggle for the most part, but he ended up fixing those things in the game. It's not like he struggled and then they lost. It's that he struggled and then he fixed it like within there, not next week. He fixed it now. So, I, w I was originally, I was thinking like, man, maybe I am a little concerned with him situationally, but he did fix it mid-game. So, no, I'm not concerned with it. Sometimes, like Joy said, it is the NFL, right? It's a team is going to get fired up. I'm sure Texans were. It's, it's within Texas. Like, hey, let's go in there and try to get something. We can find some things we can do. You're a good team. You're going to get a team's best shot no matter what. So I think the Texans just played good football, but the Cowboys, because they are a much better football team, they were, they were able to overcome it. But – an interception against the Texans, an interception against the Colts, an interception against the Giants. He's not getting away with that in the playoffs, or is he? Yeah, but we could say that about Stafford last year, who, last year, who led the league in picks. Yes. And then point. ended up making adjustments when it mattered and got it done. I would, I would like to see them play a stretch of cleaner games. And I like interceptions happen, especially if you want to be aggressive and go downfield. But the numbers are telling. He threw 10 last year. All of last year, he missed one game. His career high is 13, and that was in 16 games, I believe. He's got nine in eight. Like, that, like for whatever people want to say, Dak is typically pretty safe with the football. He is not a, an interception machine. And to have more picks than games played, it's just not the type of quarterback that he's always been. So it is a little troubling. I don't think he's struggling. Honestly, not to take all of the blame off of Dak, I don't think their receiving personnel is as good as it has been in past years. You don't have Amari Cooper anymore. Michael Gallup has been doing this on the fly coming off of an ACL. C.D. Lamb's good. The next guy's Noah Brown, who has a, had a wonderful season for the situation that he's in, but you would prefer for him to not be your wide receiver three. Dalton Schultz, it's a similar story. I think Dalton Schultz has dropped a touchdown in four of the last five games. He did it against Minnesota. He did it yesterday. That, it, it, the personnel just hasn't been as good. So it's, it's not to completely absolve Dak. But again, I think they are trying to play risky football, and they're just not good enough to do it consistently. Well, that's a good point. You said he hasn't thrown many picks. Perhaps he was playing it safe. And maybe this year he is being aggressive. But it's hard being aggressive when you don't have the complete core to be aggressive with. Right. So in, in terms, that is part of why the picks are up. But, but that's the conversation Dave and I had last week. You weren't here at the time, but I said, would you not prefer rookie or Dak Prescott? Rookie or Dak Prescott only had 23 passing touchdowns, but he only had four interceptions. You think rookie or Dak Prescott's doing what he did yesterday? 98 yards, 11 plays, six out of seven? No, not yeah. in that fashion. So give me that guy. But <laughs> rookie or Dak Prescott wouldn't have been in that position. Ooh, okay. You feel me? Like, right. I don't think rookie or Dak Prescott's not trailing but the I, one in yeah, 10 Houston Texans. For sure. But, like, I think the rosters are very different. We, Correct. we kind of just assume that because there's a couple uh, of the same personnel on the Cowboys over the years that right. it's the same roster, and it's not. Uh, not all turnovers are created equal. But what's concerning to me is, again – when you get into a situation where you're not playing the Houston Texans. 
Absolutely. Are you going to be able to overcome go. that? Are you if, going to be able to be in a situation where you can do a game-running drive? And, and look, it, it, we can call it a trend. Two picks against Green Bay. Again, one of them more on Dak, one of them less on Dak. Similar situation against Houston. I think he had another two-interception game, mm -hmm. either against the Colts or the Giants. The Giants. He Giants. did it against the Giants. Try to do that against San Francisco. Tell me how it goes. Yeah. Try to do that against Philadelphia on Christmas Eve or in the playoffs. I mean, even me next week against Jacksonville. I mean, yeah. they're playing really good football right now. That's a good point. Do not, do not Joy Taylor, Duval. <laughs> <laughs> In case you're wondering, Will Blackman paid, played for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They paid him a decent amount of money, so you know where that's coming from. All right, coming up, I've been hearing it from Chargers fans all month long, and they came with it at the game. Got to get some things off my chest. That's next. Speak. Yeah, they had the signs for me. They had the signs. All right, y'all, it's uh, time for me to pay up. Social life, checking in. They clowned me bad yesterday, Joy. This is uh, Justin Herbert and his two kids. I guess I'm one of them, and two is the other. Sean Merriman, he put that one up. All right, let's roll. That was, that was a quick edit. That was, that yeah. was a quick. Yeah, yeah, they could have done better. They could have done better, right? Like, my hands well, ain't got the same The joke matters more. was on the shoulders, yeah. not you. That, yes, that, that was, was true. That was, you know. I was like, I don't know, maybe I was a favorite son. Okay, this is Herbert's brothers getting a little laughs in. Oh, that's cute. That was cute. That is cute. That thing was that after, might have been after the strike to Keenan Allen. Yes. I respect that. Y'all can retweet that one all day. What else we got? Okay, let's just pour it on me so I can be done with Run this. Run through song. it. Okay, great. Now I'm in Chargers territory. These two lovely ladies created a sign and took it into the stadium. I, I respect this. That's amazing. I ain't gonna lie though. Dude. I hear a good sport about that. Like the font was dope. Like they were, it was fun. Like they were happy to see your boy, even though they clowned your boy. I will say, even though there were more Dolphins fans than Chargers fans there last night, don't at me. Uh, Chargers fans were fired up. They were yeah. fired. And the Chargers do a great uh, job in stadium of like I'm an in stadium like activation nerd. They did it. They do a really good job. Like they have the drum line. Oh, yeah. The DJ's amazing. Like they they keep it hyped. They have like a whole Santa Claus group of individuals of like Santa. Yeah, with the blow up Santa outfit. I ain't gonna lie, they they were scared for a split second when you rolled up on them. I ain't gonna lie. Oh hey. He's here. Us. No, that's it, boss. I come in love. We'll see y'all tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs>